Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April here. I'm looking for my buddy Seth Robinson. Beth, uh, Seth, I just called you Beth. Oh, well, I'm here. I don't know about Beth, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a first. Uh, uh, yeah. That's, yeah, so how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Here, another Friday. I'm uh, looking at some good weather this weekend, so hoping to get out and enjoy it. But it's been a uh, kind of busy week uh, getting ready for our event next next week and and we'll talk about ChannelCon probably on a different podcast but that's that's consumed some of my time this week yeah same here and it's going to be a short weekend for me because I'm flying out Sunday morning to go to ChannelCon down in Texas so um, I've just got tonight and then all day tomorrow to kind of unwind a little bit before the before the trip but we'll do a recap of that i'm sure there'll be lots to talk about when we get back from austin um in a week's time for sure well this week was a busy week in our nation's capital lots going on there and uh i don't yeah i don't know how much of that we really want to talk about but there uh there is another topic we we'd like to cover here that's that's coming out of our advocacy team and it's been a while since we've had anyone from advocacy join us. I think it's been since uh, before the election, but today we are really happy to welcome Jeff Lane. Uh, He is CompTIA's director of tax and policy, and there's a new bill that's been introduced that Jeff is going to talk with us about. But first, Jeff, uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast. And for anyone that's uh, new to the podcast or, or doesn't remember what Matt Starr told our audience about advocacy. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself and just go through a, a quick overview of what the advocacy team does here at CompTIA. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm a longtime listener, so it's pretty exciting to be able to join you guys. Um, but back to your question, we are here to act as the voice of the IT industry before policymakers, whether it's at the state level, the federal level, or the international level. We have a team of experienced policy wonks who help us make sense of the uh, public policy IT intersection, whether it's working to boil down large and complex issues for our membership uh, or simply helping policymakers better understand our industry. We're here to monitor and act uh, when needed. We tackle an array of issues, everything from privacy issues, import and export issues to the issue that brings me here today, which is uh, workforce issues. The reality is that our industry is changing uh, by the day, if not the hour, and policymakers don't always have the time or resources to keep up with those changes, and that's where we come in. That's great. Jeff, um, I'm really happy to have you here um, to talk about this important issue. And, I, and you know, we don't, we have only had a policy guest on once, as Seth mentioned. Um, so I don't think we really champion what CompTIA does in this area that much. So, that, so that's great that you're able to kind of give us a high level view of what some of the initiatives are and some of the areas that you focus on with your team in D.C., But specific to this um, chance for tech, so that's the name of the bill. I've done some reading on it, and um, I guess if you could just walk us through what the impetus for this is. I know it's workforce-related, and I know that CompTIA does a lot trying to uh, engage young people in IT careers. But this is interesting in that it is um, about apprenticeships. So I'll let you go ahead and walk us through, you know, where the idea for this came about and um, how you've been marshalling it through the legal whatever it is that you have to go through to get this bill passed. (laughs) Sure, sure. Um, So we have heard increasingly uh, from our members that they are looking 
to Congress to help shrink the skills gap. The skills gap is well documented. It's that disconnect between the number of jobs that are available versus the number of folks who have the requisite skills to fill those jobs. Uh, Increasingly, companies are looking for a skilled workforce who doesn't necessarily need a traditional four-year college degree, but it certainly needs more than a high school degree. Uh, As such, the apprenticeship program is something that we think could help the registered apprenticeship program, excuse me, is something that we think could help fill that skills gap. Unfortunately, a lot of our members don't take advantage of the registered apprenticeship program in its current form because it's either too cumbersome or too prescriptive. If you're not familiar with uh, with the program, the Department of Labor runs the program. And if you offer registered apprenticeships, there are uh, reporting requirements that you have to complete every so often for the Department of Labor. So we thought we could be an effective voice in tackling the registered apprenticeship program, specifically in helping to create IT jobs, um, which are so prevalent in our, in our economy today. So how exactly would this work? Are these, When you say registered apprenticeship programs, is this something that CompTIA would run? Is it like a certification type program? Or is it, are, you, are we building sort of a farm team of, of kids out there who we will then place in various workplaces to do an apprenticeship? Sure, that's a great question. So uh, the proposal uh, that we have pending before Congress, um, the Champion Apprenticeships for New Careers and Employees Act, H.R. 3174 in the House and S. 1518 in the Senate, would establish an intermediary program. And those intermediaries would do three things. Um, They would assess potential apprentices, think aptitude tests here. They would offer pre-apprenticeship training, think soft skills here. And then the intermediary finally would uh, relieve participating employers of those regulatory burdens. The intermediary would take care of those reporting requirements um, for the participating employers. The intermediaries could be anyone. Uh, It could be a business. It could be a consortium of businesses. It could be an industry association. And ultimately, what we are looking to do is attract both uh, apprentices and employers into the program to help revitalize the registered apprenticeship program, A, and B, like I said, create IT apprenticeships, which will help shrink the skills gap. Jeff, one of the things that we have looked at when we're talking about the workforce uh, and and the skills gap is that there, there are a lot of skills that people are well aware of that, that are maybe advanced skills or cutting edge skills um, and and they don't always recognize the some of the basic and, and the fundamental skills that there are. And, and they also don't recognize that there are different pillars inside of IT, that when we say IT jobs, a lot of people might think of hardware and, and setting up networks. And there are certainly those jobs, but there's also software development, uh, specific focus on security, data. When When you're pushing this bill forward, how much education do you think there there is in, in even describing what we mean when we say IT jobs and, and describing that there's a lot of breadth there rather than just being maybe the traditional sysadmin type role that people might think of? That's an excellent question. Um, you know, as I am educating policymakers on Capitol Hill, one of the things that I, I regularly hear uh, is... W- well, I don't have an IT industry in my congressional district. Why should I care about this bill? And I gently push back and remind folks that to some degree, everything is is an IT job in 2017. Every industry is, is feeling the effects of, of IT jobs, whether or not that's going to work for a traditional tech company and the hardware software side of things or going to work for 
the big belly trash can company, right? The the, the trash cans that uh, operate on solar power. Um, they need technicians to repair those trash cans and work on those trash cans when they're malfunctioning. Um, so, like I said, to, to a large extent, tech is spreading its wings across every industry sector. So uh, as the bill is written, we basically say anything under the sun um, is, is considered a tech job. And I, I say that tongue in cheek because in the definitions of the bill, we say that anything pertaining to hardware, software, or data can, be, can, can qualify for uh, the CHANCE Act. So um, in reading the, a little bit about this, Jeff, I, it's described as a public-private funding for technology apprentice programs. So can you explain um, the funding mechanism here and what exactly we are asking the federal government to do? Sure. Let me start by saying that the Chance and Tech Act would not cost the federal government a dime in new tax dollars. Uh, we have identified a funding stream from the 2016 Omnibus that will help to fund the program. And what we hope to do is, if the bill is passed, is use those federal dollars then to attract companies to help come in and stand up uh, the intermediary program. So it becomes a true public-private partnership. Um, the program cannot be and won't be successful unless private industry has a seat at the table. Um, we can't take all the credit for this idea. Our partners out in Washington State, the Washington Technology Industry Association, a few years ago, got some federal dollars, and what they did was they stood up the initial intermediary um, with the help of a, of a private industry partner. And what we want to do is, is use that model to then scale it up. So what ultimately is the measure of success? What sort of metrics are we going to apply here? If indeed this does pass, how would we measure whether or not um, it's a successful program? Sure, that's a great question. I think ultimately um, we, we, wanna, we want to be an effective voice in shrinking the skills gap. Uh, it is That is to say we are producing um, qualified uh, workers. We are, graduating, we are graduating bright minds from the apprenticeship program armed with both the soft skills and the hard skills that today's companies uh, require. One of the things that I've heard from folks is they, quote, hire folks for their hard skills and then have to let them go for their soft skills. So making sure that apprentices uh, who are leaving the program have both sets of skills uh, is, is really important to help jumpstart economic growth and, and shrink that skills gap. Is there any cost to the apprentices themselves to participate? No, there's not. This will be uh, funded uh, through those public and private uh, dollars. Okay. Jeff, you mentioned private companies needing to come to the table on this. As you've worked with them, uh, to the extent that you may have worked with them, do you sense any shift in their mindset around what their responsibilities need to be for closing these skills gaps? Because I think that in a lot of cases, a company is looking for a fully formed engineer to come to them out of a degree program or out of some other program and plug right into their workflow and, and be valuable on day one. And with so many of these skills that we're talking about, uh, with the supply demand being what it is and, and with... Um, the breadth of skills growing, it seems like companies are going to maybe have to take on a little bit more. And rather than having a job opening sit there for months and months while they look for the perfect candidate, they have to do uh, some kind of a compromise solution and maybe take on somebody, maybe take in something like an apprenticeship, be willing to do a little bit more in-house training and, and then get them to that ultimate state. So do you see any shifting in that mindset? 
Yeah, I think that's right. I think you are seeing increasingly companies are, are starting to recognize that um, for whatever reason, whether or not it's high schools or colleges, um, sometimes there, there's a bit of a lag time between what, the, what those companies are demanding in, in-house and, and what those schools are, are providing. So companies are leaning in, I think, more. Um, you're seeing this both uh, on, the, on the philanthropic side of things, whether or not that's, that's helping to fund STEM programs or boot camps and the like. Um, and you're also seeing companies become more engaged on Capitol Hill to urge lawmakers to tackle the issue, right? Um, I, would be, I, I would be naive to, to sit here and say that the Chance Act is, is the only bill out there to help shrink the skills gap. There are quite a few others. Uh, we happen to think the Chance Act is, is, is the best of the bunch. But yeah, uh, you know, companies are, are leaning in more. And, you know, I think there was a time when if you could use a wrench, you could use a wrench your entire life. And companies are realizing that, as I mentioned earlier, the tech sector is pretty dynamic. So when you're coming into these companies, you, you need to be uh, nimble enough to acquire those, those new skill sets as, as the industry evolves. Yeah, I can certainly see this is not just kids out of high school who aren't going to go to a four-year college as the candidates for this, but I, I certainly see this within existing companies, their employees, their employee base. It's a kind of a path to professional development. Is that how you're envisioning it, two different candidates for this, these programs? No, that's absolutely right. This is open, um, if, it, if, it were to sign, if it were to be signed into law, excuse me, this would be open to both students and workers alike. Mm-hmm. Basically, anyone 18 years and older um, who passes an assessment could be eligible for the for the program. Okay. Now you certainly need congressional help to get this passed, and I know you've got a number of um, Congress people um, behind the bill. If you want to just address them a little bit and let us know who's who's supporting us here. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So the bill was introduced on July 10th um, by a bipartisan, bicameral group of lawmakers over in the House. It was introduced by Representative Seth Moulton of Massachusetts. Congresswoman Herrera Butler of Washington State, um, along with co-sponsors Derek Kilmer of Washington State and Mia Love of Utah. Uh, Over in the Senate, this was introduced by Senators Cory Gardner of Colorado and Martin Heinrich of New Mexico. So uh, as you can see, there's there's some strong bipartisan support. Um, It's it's heartening to see lawmakers come together to, to tackle this important issue. Uh, and to date, we've already attracted a slew of co-sponsors. We're up to 14 co-sponsors. Um, I think we can reach 15 or 16 um, uh, here in the next few days. So our fingers are crossed that this thing continues to receive uh, the attention it deserves and, and get some traction. Very good. One thing that uh, I'm wondering about with this is if you have any data or analysis that would talk to the issue of diversity in technology. Um, Will will this apprenticeship program uh, be able to help with that issue and and help get some different voices into the tech space that we haven't seen over the past few decades and that we're really trying to to get more of? Absolutely. It's been well documented that the tech sector is um, aging and um, male and pale, if you will. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty white and old group who work in the tech sector. So we think that this, this bill can go a long way in helping to uh, change the face of the IT industry. We hope that this will be especially appealing to those underserved communities, uh, communities that have not traditionally been well represented in, in our space. 
Yeah, I think that's really important. As we're, we're spreading IT jobs into every business and every industry, like you described earlier, I, I think that if you think about the startup space and, and some startups that might be focusing on software or mobile apps or things like that, you tend to see some diversity there, especially in age, but um, that, that tends to be kind of a select group. And again, I think a viewpoint of the IT industry that focuses too much on the startup space or Silicon Valley doesn't recognize that these jobs are popping up in every geography. There's going to be a ton of them. They need a lot of different types of skills and it can be open to people that are coming from different backgrounds and, and bringing different things to the table. Uh, and so this program sounds like it'll be one way that we can help drive momentum on that and, and continue to make people aware that this is a, a much broader discussion than they might have originally thought. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, like I said, you know, uh, there are folks on Capitol Hill who say that, you know, we don't have a tech industry in our district per se. Um, and and that's not necessarily true as, as more and more manufacturers are transitioning into advanced manufacturing we are going to need a diverse set of, of folks who are filling these jobs. And frankly, um, it is incumbent upon Washington to help uh, shrink the skills gap, not just from a macroeconomic side of things, but from a microeconomic side of things as well. There are folks out there who, who uh, will be left behind if they don't have uh, the necessary skill sets to, to, to fill uh, the jobs today's economy requires. No, you're, you're, I think both of you are spot on in terms of technology being geographically diverse now. Uh, and as such, um, you know, every industry is involved in some way in technology. And as such, no matter where you live or are located, whatever region, it, you know, it doesn't have to be Silicon Valley or Boston um, to be an important area that's going to need these types of skills. And, you know, I've, I've read numerous articles about, you know, middle America, so-called fly, flyover country. There are amazing technology things that are going on there. And I don't just mean in the tech sector, but like you said, with many of these manufacturing plants are getting into um, some of the emerging areas with automation uh, and, and other skills that are going to be required. And if you have a workforce with a dearth of those skills stuck in the middle of the country, that's no good for anybody. And it's certainly no good for the economy. Yeah, I don't think you have to look any further than our uh, the, the group of, of co-sponsors who introduced the bill. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at the list here. We have Washington State represented, Utah represented, Colorado represented, Massachusetts represented. You know, no one would sit here and say that that these are Silicon Valley lights, if you will. Um, uh, these are these are lawmakers who understand that their states um, and their constituencies need the skills to to make this transition into the new economy. So what's next steps? We know legislation moves like molasses. Um, what would be the next thing that we're going to be looking for, or should be looking for in the progression of this, hopefully the progression of this bill? No, that's a great question. Uh, we really need folks to, to contact their lawmakers and urge them to take a look at this bill. Um, these are trying times in Washington. As you mentioned, Carolyn, legislation moves slow, so it will really take a groundswell of support to get Congress to look at this. As I mentioned, we have 14 co-sponsors right now. We'd like to, I would personally like to double that by the end of the year. We need folks to, to contact their representatives and senators, whether that's via phone, uh, email, uh, or simply tweeting their lawmakers. We've been employing the Chance in Tech 
act hashtag here at CompTIA. So the, the, the more we can get this conversation uh, going, the, the better chance we, we will have in getting this thing passed into law. Yeah, it sounds like this is really where private employers uh, need to get involved. And uh, because they're they're the ones that are going to need these skills these skills fulfilled within their organizations, so maybe they need to get out the bullhorn and um, you know be um, squawking at Congress to make sure they take a look at this bill. No, that's absolutely right, and and it's also the employees, as I discussed earlier. You know, this is we think um, this is an opportunity, the Chance Act, that is to both address a macro. Uh, economic issue as well as a microeconomic issue. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity to, to to help grow the economy broadly, and then you know make sure that folks can go home um, to a good dinner at night, uh, knowing that they have the skills to to compete in today and tomorrow's economy. All right. Terrific. Yeah, sounds good, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I think we all know that that jobs are a huge issue in the country today and globally. Uh, but if, if we're not going to be able to hang on to yesterday's jobs, then I agree with what you guys are doing. I think it's so important to try to build for the jobs of tomorrow. Um, so thanks again for joining us. Uh, we will su- certainly do our part here to get our, our Volley listeners uh, aware of this and reaching out to their legislators. And uh, we wish you good luck with the bill. Yeah, good well, luck. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, my fingers are crossed that, that we can get this thing across the finish line. Terrific. Thanks for joining, Jeff. Thanks. All right. Have a good weekend, you guys. Yep, you, you too. too.